Good morning, Upward. Good to see you. We're a little behind today, but we're going to make it, right? All right. Good to see y'all. Everybody having a good day today? You're here. This room is packed. I'm so glad to see y'all here. Isn't it, doesn't it feel good to kind of be back in a full room again? I don't know about y'all, but it feels really good to me to see a full room again. I'm just enjoying that. Not a political statement. Calm down. All right. Uh, today, we're not in a series today. We're doing an individual message, and today we're going to talk about dealing with our differences dealing with our differences. Now, it's wonderful to know that now that we've become Christians, we don't have any differences with people anymore. Isn't that great? Especially other Christians. Isn't it great to know that when you become a Christian, you never have any disagreements with other Christians? Isn't that exciting to know? No, that's just not the case, right? In fact, we Christians and we church people can be professional at coming up with differences. Can I get an amen? We can find stuff to fight about. We can argue over how y'all to dress coming to church. That's why I wore a coat this morning so nobody could argue with me. I abandoned my black golf shirt today for a coat. Uh, so we can argue over that. I ought to dress this way. The preacher ought to dress this way. You ought to dress it. When I was a kid, uh, they often argued in church over haircuts. You know, you just had to have the right haircut. I heard a story in a church one time of a guy got up and he had really long hair and he came to the altar and he gave his life to Jesus and before he could get back to his seat, an older lady in the church said, isn't that wonderful now? You can cut that hair. <laughs> All that with a big picture of Jesus behind the pulpit with hair down to here. No wonder. We can't make sense to the world if we don't even make sense to us. We can argue over whether we need pews in the sanctuary or chairs. We can argue over music styles, whether we want hymns or worship or how loud it is. We can argue over the, the heat or the cool that's in the sanctuary. I heard a story about a man. They discovered him alone. He had been on a deserted island for a couple of years, and he'd scratched out an existence and survived. And a passing ship saw this man, and they sent a helicopter in to rescue this man. And when they landed, they noticed he was there all alone. There were three buildings on the island. And they asked him, said, what are these three buildings? And he said, well, this first one here, this is my house. That's where I live. And he said, this second one here, that's my church. That's where I go to church. And they said, well, what's the third building? He said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> that's a real church man right there. He doesn't even have anybody. And he's had a church split already. Christians fighting with each other over our convictions is not a new thing at all. The disciples had fights in front of Jesus. Jesus literally had to come down and break up a couple fights. Imagine that. Jesus getting in between of you and say, you mess with him, you mess with me. Paul in the early church, again and again, he's dealing with church fight. And, and I'm so thankful that in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul addressed the issue and taught us how to deal with our differences. Today we're in the book of Romans chapter 14. The book of Romans is one of the epistles in the New Testament. And contrary to what some think, the epistles are not the wives of the apostles. 
uh, that was asked on a Bible quiz, and that was the predominant answer. What are the epistles? They are the wives of the apostles. No, the word epistle means letter. And, and the epistles in the New Testament are letters written to specific churches in specific cities. Uh, the book of Ephesians is written to the church at Ephesus. The book of Corinthians, the books of Corinthians are written to the church at Corinth. The book of Romans is written to the early church in the city of Rome. In fact, uh, almost two years ago, I was in Rome and I was riding on a tour bus around the Colosseum and through this beautiful city that I love visiting. And I just took out my Bible and I opened the version. Bible app, and I thought, I'm just going to read Romans while I'm in Rome. And then when I read that verse where Paul said, to all the Christians who are in Rome, I said, that's me right now. This is personal. It's mine. That's what that means. Uh, So they were arguing in the church at Rome, and here was the issue that, and it still is the issue that creates a lot of division in church. Here it is. Jesus attracts different people to him. Jesus attracts people from all kinds of backgrounds, and that's one of the things I love about Jesus. People love Jesus, and they're drawn to Jesus from different cultures. From, they're drawn out of different religions. They're, they're, they're all races. If you read the book of Acts, on the birthday of the church, the day of Pentecost, people came from all over the world speaking all kinds of different languages, and they were just drawn to Jesus. And that's one of the reasons we have so much trouble in church is because Jesus doesn't attract the same kind of people. Everybody say, that's good. That's a wonderful thing. He, he brings people from everywhere. But you get all these people with their baggage in one room or in one congregation or in one family together, you're going to have problems. And the early church had problems. They had, and, and the thing that gave them most problems was their different convictions about proper Christian behavior. This is how a Christian ought to live. You ever been around a person who thinks they're the conviction police? They want to tell everybody in the church exactly how they ought to live. And if you get one thing out of line with them, uh, they're going to come straighten you out. They got the little siren. You ever heard me do the siren? You you love that. You've been waiting on that, right? They're the Christian conviction police. There were people like that in the church at Rome. And there have always been people like that. How do we deal with different people who have different convictions and love the same Jesus? There are three categories in the scriptures and in our lives that influence our Christian behavior. And I want, to, I want you to get this. Three things. Commandments, convictions, and choices. Can everybody say those with me so they get ingrained in our heart? There are commandments, there are convictions, and there are choices. Now here's what commandments are. Commandments are specifically things that are specifically addressed in Scripture that tell us what we're to do and tell us what we're not to do. They are also the same for every Christian. If you follow Jesus Christ, there are some commandments that God says, this is the way you live. And commandments never change in our Christian life. They are always the same because they are commandments of God. They are truth, and that's just how it is. An example of this would be our sexual behavior. The Bible says in Old and especially New Testament, it says, flee from sexual immorality. God has made the rules, and he can do that because he's God. Can I get it? Amen. Amen. And he's told us how to live, and that's a commandment, and we are to abide by those commandments. They're the same for everybody, and they do not change. The second category is convictions. This category, these are things that are not specifically addressed in Scripture, 
They are not the same for all Christians. They can change during the lifetime of a Christian. They're not addressed in Scripture, but God deals with us individually about what we should do. Should a Christian get a tattoo? (laughs) I got people all over. Sure. No. There's some of you in this place right now that just got uncomfortable with that. Should a Christian drink alcohol? Oh, don't even bring that up, pastor. Should a Christian smoke? Heard a pastor say this. Now, if you smoke, just be calm here. This is funny. It's pretty bad when you have to say before you tell a joke, this is funny. They asked an old preacher one time, somebody asked him, said, will smoking cigarettes send you to hell? He said, no, it just makes you smell like you've been there. (laughs) Let's really stir the pot. Anybody just want to stir the pot up today really good? Just stir it up really good. Should a Christian get the COVID vaccine? Oh, don't look around. Don't look at anybody. Don't say anything. I don't want to hear what you think. I don't care. Man, Christians are divided on that one. If you love Jesus, this is what you hear. If you really love your neighbor, you're going to get the COVID vaccine because that means you love your neighbor. And I could get half the church to say amen, but please don't. We don't want to fight. Then others say, you should never take that. It's under government control. And I've heard Christians even say that vaccine is like the mark of the beast and you should never get it. And there are amens to both sides right here at Upward this morning. Do you hear that? Let's just stop for a minute. (laughs) Take a deep breath. There are people in this room who don't agree with you. (laughs) But they still love Jesus. And it's okay. Can I get an amen? It's okay. We're united by Him. We're pursuing Him. And all that other stuff is okay. Here's what I'm saying. You can have your convictions and follow them and still love people who don't. You can go to church with them. Wow, that was weak. You go to church with them. You can serve beside them when they don't see everything the way you do. See, when we have to go to church with people who agree with us about everything, it's going to be a really small church. You with me? If I find a church where everybody in there agrees with me, my wife's not even coming there. It's just me. We have our differences. Now, what were, Paul said this in, in uh, chapter 14 in verse 1. He said this. He said, accept, Romans 14, 1, accept other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Now, what were the Roman Christians arguing about? First of all, they were arguing about diets. They were arguing about what food they could eat. Paul said in verse 2, he said, for instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. I'm in that camp. <laughs> but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. 
Let me tell you what was going on here. When you went to the meat market in their day, in the Romans' day, when you went to the meat market, and in the church, let me say this, there were Jews and Gentiles together. There were people who had come out of a very heavy religious background, and there were people who would come out of a pagan background that worshipped all kinds of gods. So you had these monotheistic Jews who worshipped only one God. You had these polytheistic Gentiles who worshipped maybe a bunch of gods. You just had your pick. And now they're all in this room together. Can you imagine there would be problems in the meat market of the day, a literal meat market, uh, (laughs) when you went to go buy meat at the butcher shop, let's say, the meats would often be prayed over, blessed, and dedicated to a false god. Now, if you just so happen to worship that false god, then that's the meat you wanted. Oh, I worship Apollo and... I want a T-bone steak that's been dedicated to Apollo. No other gods, just I want a steak. I I just like talking about steak myself, but uh, I want a steak that's been dedicated to Apollo. I want a chuck roast that's been dedicated to my God. You can pick. Now, when some of the Gentiles, the Gentiles had more of a struggle with the dietary in in a lot of ways. Uh, The Gentiles come into the church and they're worshiping Jesus now. And they really have a struggle because now they don't feel like they should eat meat that's been dedicated to a false god. So that becomes a struggle when you go to the grocery store. Who's this been dedicated to? Any of this meat been dedicated to Jesus? The answer would be no (laughs) to the early church. And so some of them really struggled and said, well, instead of eating meat that's been sacrificed to a false god or an idol, I'm just going to completely become a vegetarian. That was their conviction, that was their conscience, that was what they felt like they should do. The Gentiles had a struggle because the Jews had no problem with that, large part. The Jews were monotheistic. The Jews that were strong in the faith said, hey, those false gods are not anything. You can dedicate that meat to whatever, whatever you want to, it's still a steak and I'm going to go get one. Can I get an amen from the church? You can dedicate that thing to anything. I was in Sam's the other day, and I saw a tomahawk ribeye. I don't care who's prayed over that thing. It's going on my grill if I can get it. (laughs) (laughs) And the Jews were saying, the Jews were at liberty, in large part. This is maybe an overgeneralization, but the Jews had an easier time with dietary laws as far as meat sacrificed idol. Paul covers this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, maybe 2 Corinthians 8. I can't remember, but I'll have to look it up. That might have been good to figure out before I got up here and started talking about it. (laughs) Jews didn't have as big a struggle with that, but the Gentiles did. What Paul says is, quit arguing over this. If one person wants to eat only vegetables, it's okay. If one person wants to eat all the meat, it's okay. We've got commandments, we've got convictions, and we've got choices. I didn't cover choices, did I? Choices is whatever you decide to do because that's what you want to do. I'm going to teach you a word in Greek. Are you ready? When it comes to people judging you for your, commi- for your convictions, I'm going to teach you a word. You ready? We're going to pronounce it together. The first word is none. Say none. second part of that word is yeah. Wait, hang on, stay with me. None. Second Greek word is ya. Yeah. Next word is B-I-D, bid. Last word is ness. We're going to say this Greek word together. None ya bidness. 
I studied a long time to be able to pronounce that, y'all. <laughs> it's not your business to go around telling everybody how to live in the area of convictions. And you don't have to let everybody tell you how to live. They're commandments of God we all unite around. They're convictions that vary between us, and we can still love Jesus and have different convictions. So they were arguing over diets. Here's what Jesus said, and this is pretty powerful. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 11, It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out. Whoa! Man, he dropped the hammer on them right there. What you eat doesn't make any difference, Jesus said. Boy, the Pharisees didn't like that. Oh, some of the Jews didn't like that. It's not the things you eat and how you wash your hands. Jesus told the Pharisees all the time, you wash your hands all the time and you've got filthy hearts. Jesus settled the dietary question right there. Hey, in two weeks, we're going to start a crazy series. In two weeks, it's going to be one of the crazier series we've ever done at Upward. It's called Say What? Can you say that with me? Say what? you got to go up on that last word for it to work. It's going to be, say what? Does the Bible really talk about that? We're going to talk about things the Bible is accused of saying. Can I go over really with you really quickly? I better be quick because I've got a lot to say. We're going to talk about slavery. Does the Bible support slavery? Second message, we're going to talk about shrimp. I bet you've never come to a church and heard a sermon about shrimp. Does the Bible say eating shellfish is a sin? We hear that. Sexism. Is the Bible anti-women? Science. Is the Bible disproved by science? Last one is one of the tougher ones. Slaughter. What about all the violence in the Old Testament? And how can a loving God uh, support that? Man, we're really gonna, I'm going I'm to really have to work hard to get these out here. But in the month of July, we're going to be tackling those issues. So they were arguing about diet. Secondly, they were arguing about days. Now, here we switch it around. The Jews have more of a struggle with this. Paul said in verse 5, in the same way, Paul is trying to do here what I'm trying to do this morning. And that's just tick everybody off. Let's just stir both sides up. Paul's just trying to straighten out everybody. He said in the same way, some of you that are really holy on this meat issue or think you are, some think that one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. He says this simply, you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is is acceptable. Boy, religious people do not like that. Whichever day you choose. That'll tear your religion up. Well, it's got to be this day. The 6th or the 7th or the 1st. I preached this to the Thursday night crowd this week, and I said, if any of you are mad at that, you're absolute hypocrites. You're coming to church on Thursday night. (laughs) None of y'all have a dog in this fight, but y'all are here on Sunday, so maybe you have a little right to get mad. Church right down the road worships every Saturday. And let me tell you something, because they worship on Saturday, that doesn't change my love for them or my desire to fellowship with them. Whichever day you choose. You know, we have a Thursday night service. If you're working over the weekend, Thursday night service, I preach the same message, we do the same worship. If you're working one weekend, you can come on a Thursday night, and guess what? You gave that day to Jesus, and I think you're going to be all right just because it wasn't a Sunday. Can we just start getting over some of this stuff and understanding there are commandments, there are convictions, there are choices. We stick to the commandments, but our convictions will be different. 
Jesus said this. Here Jesus is just bringing the final word again. Mark 2, 27. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not something you get legalistic about and tear each other down over. Now, let's jump in. Five principles from Romans 14 that help us deal with our differences. You ready for this? You ready? All right. Number one, follow your personal convictions. Follow your personal convictions. If the Lord deals with you about something that you should or shouldn't do by the Holy Spirit deals with you, then you need to follow that because that is God's word to you. Romans 14, 23, Paul said this, if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. For if you're not following your convictions, if you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. Paul's saying if you violate your conscience, you are walking in sin. Follow your convictions. People come to me once in a while and they, they want to ask me if something is a sin or not. And that's no way to live your life. I'm not going to my wife and say, babe, how much can I get away with and stay married to you? How many of you believe that probably wouldn't end well for Pastor Andy if he had that conversation? Nope, that's not going to work. I don't want to say to God, God, can, can I get away with this? But people come and say, Pastor, I want to ask you if, if something is a sin. And I just say, yes. <laughs> Wait a minute, Pastor, you haven't even heard yet. I don't have to. What do you mean? If you've got enough doubt about it, that you've got to come get my permission to do it, then don't. Amen. Well, I can't even say amen anymore. If you've got enough doubt, don't do it. You ever wear, guys, you ever have a shirt on and you think maybe it's got too many wrinkles? It's too wrinkled? I've just learned this. If I go ask Alexa, is this shirt too wrinkled for me to wear? The answer is always yes. Because if I doubted it, I shouldn't do it. Think anybody can see this stain? Follow your personal convictions. The Lord may deal with you to do some stuff that seems crazy to the rest of us. But if God deals with you to do it and live that way, it's okay. We'll still love you. I knew a lady who God convicted, God convicted her as a teenager to she was she loved Pepsi. And she drank Pepsi. And the Lord convicted her to not drink Pepsi anymore. And she'll tell you to this day, she's an older lady now. She said, I haven't had a Pepsi in 50 years. And I say, awesome. I've had far too many myself. (laughs) But if you believe that's something you need to do to be pleasing to God, you do that. And there's not a thing wrong with that. As long as you don't get to the point that you think you have the right to make your personal conviction God's law for everybody else, that's when you get in trouble. Brings me to my second principle here, Paul's second principle. Don't argue with other people about their convictions. He said in verse 1, don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. 
We Christians spend a whole lot of time and waste a whole lot of time arguing about things that in the end don't really help anybody get closer to Jesus. They just make us feel better or worse about ourselves. Paul said just quit arguing about it. Stop fighting about it. You see, uniformity is not the goal. Unity is. And you can have unity without uniformity. What is uniformity? We all have to look exactly alike. I've been in churches before where people looked exactly alike. And they did exactly alike. And let me tell you, if you came in and you weren't exactly like that, what, what are they doing here? I love it that we're different. Right? We need people who are different. You're called to reach people who are different. You can reach people that I can't. And I can reach some that you can't. It's not about uniformity. Any bikers here this morning? You bikers, you look like a biker. A few of y'all wear leather. I don't wear leather pants for a number of reasons. (laughs) For me. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. That was not in my notes, by the way. I would not look good in those. You see people like that, you know, wearing the biker stuff and the chains and all this stuff. I know people that look like that, that love Jesus with all their hearts and are as sold out to Jesus as the guy with the suit and tie. But guess what? If the guy with the suit and tie goes up to a biker convention... He's not going to have the inroads. Do you understand? Just one illustration. We're all different, and it's okay. Because we're called to reach a world for Jesus Christ. Amen? So don't argue with people about their convictions. Then the third one, don't look down on people with different convictions. Romans 14.3, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. Don't develop an air of superiority that your convictions are tougher. Man, I'm really a Christian. I'm suffering for Jesus. I mean, these kind of people didn't even like Jesus when he was here. He said, he's a, he's a, they called Jesus in the old King James word, a glutton and a wine bibber. Jesus, long-haired Jesus. They accused him about his convictions. Some people just want it to be tough. I'm a better Christian than you because I suffer more. You follow Jesus, some suffering will come with it. Some rejection will come with it. Don't be the kind of person who thinks you're suffering more than anybody else because your convictions are tighter than anybody else. Amen. Don't look down on people who don't share your convictions. Now here's where I could get in trouble. You ready for the pastor to get in trouble? Here's the last one. Limit your liberty for the sake of love. Paul really gets into this in in Corinthians 8, first or second. You figure it out. I gave you the chapter. (laughs) 
I'm supposed to be smart about this stuff, but it's one of them. Uh, And test me on Elijah and Elisha, too. I blow that every time. I'll say the wrong one every time. Limit your liberty for the sake of love. You know what that means? That means there may be some things that I'm free in my conscience and my convictions to do that I will not do in front of other people if it could hurt them. Paul said this, you may believe, verse 22, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Let that sink in. There's some things you may be at liberty to do that you need to keep private. Am I making enough people mad now? Can I stop now? We have this idea that our private life has to exactly match our public life. That's not true. What I mean by that, I'm not talking about breaking the commandments of God. I'm not talking about living in sin. I'm not talking about having a double life. But if you have a conviction that gives you liberty in a certain area, you may not want to practice that that liberty publicly if it would hurt someone else or cause them to struggle in their faith. Great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Anybody heard of Spurgeon? If you're a preacher, you've heard of Spurgeon. Preachers read Spurgeon. He preached in London, and he was called the Prince of Preachers. And preachers today read Spurgeon's sermon. I can just about tell you, if I'm preaching on a passage, I have read something that Charles Spurgeon said about that passage. He was that good. People packed in everywhere to, see, to hear Spurgeon preach. Spurgeon, however, smoked cigars. People gave him a hard time about it. Anybody heard of D.L. Moody? Somebody gave me this story, and I love it. D.L. Moody went over to see Spurgeon. Spurgeon opened the door. He's got a stogie in his mouth, smoking. D.L. Moody said, I can't believe a man of God like you would smoke that. How's it possible a man of God like you would smoke that? Spurgeon went down the steps to D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody's a big old guy. He poked Moody in the belly, same way. He said, same way a man of God can be so fat. (laughs) But then, a tobacco company of the brand of the cigars that Spurgeon liked to smoke came up with an advertising slogan, and Spurgeon saw it in public. It said, we sell the tobacco that Spurgeon smokes. And he said, maybe I should rethink this. And he gave it up because he didn't want the young people in his congregation to be emboldened toward a habit that could affect their health. Let's talk about alcohol. You ready? Not sure I am. Boy, that's an issue. Should Christians drink alcohol or not? Now, I'm going to tell you how I process this. Is that okay? And this is what I want you to understand. This whole message is not about alcohol. I didn't slip this in. But I'm going to tell you personally how I process this in my own life. I don't drink alcohol. I don't. That does not give me the right to tell every Christian how to live in that area. The Bible never says, thou shalt not drink alcohol. It doesn't say that. It does say, you should not be drunk. 
right? Does say that being drunk is wrong. But it's my personal conviction that I don't drink alcohol. And I'm going to tell you how I process this. Why not? Well, for me, it's wisdom for me. My grandfather struggled with alcohol, and he warned my dad about it. My dad went on to have a big struggle with alcohol, and he warned me about it. And I determined as a young man that I wanted to break that in my family, and I didn't want it to be a struggle for me or for my son, so I decided I was not going to drink, and I have not. Let me just tell you about me. I'm not a moderate person. If I start, I won't quit. Let me just tell you something else about me. I say enough stupid stuff sober. I do enough stupid stuff sober. I don't need that magnified. Okay? So for me, there's wisdom for me. Now, Pastor Andy's not getting up here to preach this to you because, and, and I probably make some people mad for that. They want me to just bang on this pulpit and say, thou shalt not. I'm not going to put a thou shalt not where the Bible doesn't. Amen. may make you happy, but I'm not going to do that. I'll warn you about the dangers of it as the Bible does. I don't because it's wisdom for me, and i got to quit. I'm not going to stop yet, though. I don't also, because of my position and my influence over young people, and we deal with a lot of people who struggle with addictions and drugs and everything else, and I don't want anything that I would do to embolden some kid to get involved in something that could wreck their lives. So I'm going to limit liberty for wisdom and for love. Amen? And I believe there is something about that. You can limit your liberty in front of people for wisdom and for love. Can I get an amen? amen. Trying to figure out if I've sufficiently stirred the pot enough today. I think maybe I have. Here's what I'm saying. We're going to have different convictions about things. We can have unity without uniformity. Here's the last one. I got too much to preach and I'm over time. Y'all just hang on. You're going to meet some people in the parking lot going out today. Here's the last one. Accept those who have different convictions. Paul said, verse 3, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Can I tell you something? God accepts people who don't practice exactly what you do. God accepts a lot of people into his family that don't see the world exactly like you do. Oh, boy. It's so much easier to hang out with people like me. For me. You know how easy it is for me to hang out with people that agree with me? If I go eat with somebody and we agree on politics, easy peasy. If we agree on all our convictions, easy peasy. But this word accept, you know what it means? It means to draw them into your circle. It means to make room at your table for them. And if we don't start talking to each other in the United States of America instead of bombing each other, we got some problems ahead. 
We have some problems now, and we got some problems ahead, believe me. We don't start talking and quit bombing. Paul said, accept people who don't share your convictions. Why? Because God did. Let's go back to the life of Jesus, and I'm quitting. When Jesus went into early, early ministry, he would heal people and tell them, don't tell anybody. Pretty amazing. He would uh, be drawn to want to perform a miracle, and he would say, it's not time yet. He had a very specific time when he was going to reveal to the world who he really was and who he really is. He didn't just come out saying, hey, everybody, I'm the Messiah. Here I am. He didn't do that. There was a time for that to be revealed. Have you ever thought about who was the very first person he ever told? Straight up, I'm the Messiah. You can read your Bible and you can figure that out. John chapter 4, Jesus is uh, going on a journey with the disciples. Eventually headed to Jerusalem and they were... uh, The disciples and all the Jews made a long trip around Samaria. To them, Samaria was the bad part of town. It was a racial thing. The Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated them right back. They didn't talk to each other. They'd go around Samaria, but Jesus said, No, we're taking a shortcut. We're going straight through Samaria. You want to end racial division? Jesus. went straight through Samaria out in the field there was a a well that was Jacob's well that Jacob had dug pretty pretty crazy Jacob had dug that well many many years earlier and he sits down on this well and sends the disciples off to get lunch while they're off buying lunch Jesus got an appointment and a lady shows up and he starts talking to this lady first of all she's a Samaritan second of all she's a woman and they're out in the field together alone not a good position for Jesus to put himself in. Thirdly, she's a lady with a really bad reputation. Jesus is talking to her and he said, uh, go call your husband and I'll talk to both of you. She said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, you right on that one. You've had five. That's a lot of husbands. Right? Marriages break up sometimes, but if you've had five, you're part of the problem. I'll let that sink in. Love you, but if you've been through five, it's not all them. <laughs> Again, I'm just stirring the pot today, ain't I? Man, oh man, oh man. See what attendance looks like next week on July 4th. Yeah, let's see what that looks like. She'd been through five husbands. And then Jesus said, here's the last kicker. You're living with a guy who's not your husband now. She said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Better believe it. Yeah, deal with a prophet. She starts having this religious conversation and all this. And she just keeps getting more convicted and more stirred. And then she finally tries to deflect it all. She's really into deflection, you know. She's like, let's talk about worship. Let's talk about anything but other than my problems. And finally, she just gets to the point of just trying to end it all. And she said, well, when the Messiah comes, he's going to figure all this out. And Jesus looks her in the eye and says, 
I'm the Messiah. First person he directly told me, I'm the Messiah, was a woman who'd been through five marriages and was living with a guy who was caught up in all. She was at the well at that time of day because nobody else, she couldn't come to the well with the other fine, upstanding women. And Jesus told her first. That's the Jesus we serve. Can I get an amen? I'm so glad I served that guy. I'm so glad I served this Jesus who loves the broken, the oppressed. He accepts people. And I'm glad he accepted me when I was broken. Amen. That's the foundation of accepting people who aren't just like us. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you today. We praise you today for the opportunity to be together in this place. And we ask you today in your mighty name, your mighty presence, God, drive this word home to our hearts that we can understand, that we can learn, that we can grow. And God, help us have unity without having to have uniformity in every connection. I pray that you'll help us mature and grow so that we can reach a world for you. Pray that you'll touch each one today here. I believe you've been here today and you are here. Your word is here to us to teach the church. And I pray today you'll draw people close to you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. How many would just lift a hand and say, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Thank you so much. Praise God. Praise God. How many say, I need help following my own convictions? Pray for me, Pastor, that I'll follow what I believe to be true. Can I see your hands today? I need help following my own convictions. Anybody be honest enough to say, I need help not judging others who don't share my convictions. Can I see those hands today? Amen. Amen. That's a lot of us here today. A lot of us here today. Amen. Jesus, thank you for loving people. You can just pray this prayer to invite him into your heart online. You're watching today. You can pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I'm lost without you. Forgive me of my terrible decisions of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I give my life to you. And I'll follow you from this day forward. If you made that decision today and prayed that prayer, congratulations. Best decision you ever made. If you made that decision, you need to plug in quickly with some other Christians. If you're here at Upward, jump in. Talk to somebody before you leave today. If you're online, find a good local church. You can stay with us online. You can find a local assembly of believers. Find somebody to help you grow in your faith. But today's the best decision you ever made to say yes to Him. Good I'm going to bless you with some words that Jesus spoke to that very woman at the well. You ready to be blessed? Jesus said, but to those who drink the water that I give, they'll never be thirsty again. You will never be thirsty again as you drink of the water of life. That water will become in you a fresh bubbling spring within you, giving you eternal life. And I just want you to go, I commission you to go all over your world today, this week, and be a spring of the water of life of Jesus to everybody you meet. I commission you to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Take Jesus out into this world. Love y'all so much. Thanks for being here today. See you again soon. Love you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash upwardchristianfellowship. 
we invite you to join us next week as we continue the upward journey.